The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 2,896. All right, we're halfway through the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yes, episode 4 drops today. This is not going to be about that because we're recording before it drops and releasing before it drops. But for today, we are going to do a mid-season review, talk about some of the hot topics that have popped up in the first three episodes and what we have to look forward to for the rest of the series. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, the reviews are generally so good for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that there's allegedly a season 2 in development. This is all rumor and speculation at this point. Nothing has been confirmed. Certainly Ewan McGregor has said that, you know, with a good enough story, he is definitely open to doing it again, so that's obviously fantastic to hear. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We've got a series in progress right now, and so as we've been doing with the episode breakdowns themselves, we've got this bucketed into seven highlights and things to consider as we look back at the first three episodes of the series and look forward to the remaining three episodes of the series. The first point I want to start with is just to establish something that, you know, I I knew and I, you know, imagine, you know, a lot of people know, but I just feel like it's kind of crucial to our understanding of where things are. And that's that at this point in the timeline, Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader does not know that any of Padme's babies survived the events of Revenge of the Sith. He just knew that she was pregnant. I don't think he knew that it was twins in the first place. And based on, you know, pre later events that happen where he finds out that Luke is his son, he doesn't know that there was a second child. So I don't think he ever knew that there were twins to begin with until we got to Return of the Jedi. But at this point in the story, he believes that Padme died without giving birth and that the child, that there would have only been one child that he knew about or suspected, also died as well. And that sort of rolls into the second point, which is that Vader just can't kill Obi-Wan. Like, it's not enough for him. Like, we saw that displayed in episode three of the series, which we're referring to as not the face, because, of course, Obi-Wan's face can't be damaged <laughs> because we see his face well and truly intact when we get to A New Hope. But it's not enough for Vader to just kill Obi-Wan outright. He needs him to suffer, and his focus on that is going to prevent him from getting a clean victory over Obi-Wan. Yes, I guess you could say that he was victorious in that particular fight in Episode 3, but he didn't do what he really wanted to do, which is essentially make Obi-Wan suffer the maximum amount as possible before killing him. And the reason why he needs him to suffer is something that we're not necessarily talking completely about. Because yes, we talk about Padme, we talk about his rage, we talk about his grief, and we talk about him you know, blaming Obi-Wan, for some of this stuff, but it's also the unborn child that Anakin lost as part of this whole situation in Revenge of the Sith. So, you know, there's 
even more grief and sadness and rage that Vader is dealing with, that Anakin is dealing with, that we haven't even really talked about. It's just, it's so deep with him. And so just, he is so overwhelmed and consumed by it that he's just not going to be able to deal with Obi-Wan in a straightforward fashion. That brings us to our third point, which has to do with little Leia. And obviously she is going to survive this, but the question sort of becomes how is Vader going to deal with this situation because you know that he has to be aware that Obi-Wan was brought out of hiding to rescue young Leia for Bail Organa and so how is Vader going to deal with Bail Organa because now he knows that Bail is somehow in contact with the Jedi or with a Jedi at least who survived Order 66 and at some point he has to kind of question Leia's whole existence. Like, where did she come from and how did she come to be adopted by Brea and Bale right around the time that he actually flipped over to the dark side? But can there even be any consequences for Brea and Bale under the circumstances? Because ultimately what would come out is that the Inquisitors kidnapped their adopted daughter and that's certainly the kind of publicity that the Empire definitely wouldn't want. And of course, Brea and Bale are going to survive this series as well. So basically, is this just going to put them on like double secret probation? Because for sure, Vader is not going to pick up on Leia being force sensitive at all. And that kind of goes back to the conversation that Obi-Wan and Owen have about whether Luke is quote unquote showing. So you could actually wonder the same thing about Leia, whether she is quote unquote showing as well. And you would have to assume the answer is no. Otherwise, this would be a whole new level of interest for Vader and the Inquisitors, considering that Tala, played by Indira Varma, has said that Force-sensitive children are being disappeared, so they can't pick that up on Leia because she can't be disappeared. Unless, unless, and this rolls us to point four, which is that if they do sense that Leia is at all Force-sensitive, then she might be disappeared to Nur, and Nur is the planet where the Inquisitorius has their base. We've seen it already in the series, and of course it shows up in Jedi Fallen Order, and we're half we have to go there during this series because we've seen that there are other scenes taking place on Nerd that haven't been shown in the series so far but have shown up in trailers and commercials and whatnot. So she's going to Nerd. We know that Reva is basically going to grab her as you know, a result of the events of episode three, right? It makes sense that she's going to be taken to Nerd. It's just a question of whether they're going to identify her as Force-sensitive as part of this whole process. But she's definitely going there, which means the action is going to Nerd for the rest of the series as well. All right, so the fifth thing I want to flag has to do with the Grand Inquisitor. And I think we've touched a little bit on this, but there's a lot of chatter about this online. And so I just figured, like, let's, you know, just summarize what the deal is with the Grand Inquisitor and, you know, put it to bed, basically. So in episode two, which we're calling Make Me Float, Reva stabs the Grand Inquisitor and goes after Obi-Wan. We don't necessarily know the fate of the Grand Inquisitor. And it's one of those things where if you didn't see him die, then you can't necessarily assume he's dead. So there are basically three situations that we could be facing with this particular Grand Inquisitor. Number one, we know that the phrase Grand Inquisitor is just a title. And Vader slash Anakin made that clear in episode three when he told Reva that if 
he's able to deliver Obi-Wan, then she will become the Grand Inquisitor. So it's a title that can be conveyed to whoever. So that's point one. Point two is that, you know, going back to the fact that we didn't see the Grand Inquisitor dead, we didn't hear him declared dead. So for all we know, he is actually still alive after being <laughs> stabbed by Reva. Granted, that similar kind of stabbing killed Qui-Gon Jinn, but we don't know what Pauwen pronunciation, um, what Powin <laughs> physiology is like, so maybe that stab wound isn't necessarily fatal, and heaven knows characters have survived far worse. Darth Maul survived getting sliced in half, for pity's sake, and still came back later on, so it is entirely possible that this particular Grand Inquisitor is still alive. And regardless of whether he is, there are more Powans out in the universe than just this one. And so the Powan Grand Inquisitor that we meet in Star Wars Rebels may or may not be this same Powan. It's you know hard to say for sure. So I think there's still a bit yet to be revealed about that whole situation. The sixth thing I want to flag has to do with Obi-Wan and his line to young Leia when she asks him, if he is her real father and he says that he wishes he could say yes. Not to say, when I first heard that line, I thought, you know, is he suggesting that he you know, wished he had had a kid with Padme? And that just seemed really weird to me. And there's been a lot of discourse on social about this one as well. Apparently there is an Obidala shipping situation that happens out there, but you know, there's not necessarily really any evidence within storytelling canon to support it. It's just something that some fans are into as an idea and, you know, hey, more power to them. But there are, of course, different ways to read that particular response. And I just, I think the situation I've arrived at is that I wish that the dialogue line had been a little bit different because maybe it would have made things a little bit clearer. But one of the ways you could look at that is that, you know, he's saying, I wish you were <laughs> not the child of somebody who turned into a Dark Lord of the Sith, because that, of course, has its own complications. And another way you could look at it is that he's just complimenting her as a young person in general, saying that she's remarkable enough of a being that he's met that if he were to be a father, that he would be proud to have her as a daughter. And that's, you know, a beautiful sentiment to be sure. But the way that I think I want to read this is that he's having a moment where he's considering the path not taken with the Duchess Satine. And that if he had left the Jedi Order and had instead continued a life with her, that maybe all the stuff with the Mandalorians and Maul wouldn't have happened or he would have been totally away with her somewhere where that wouldn't have been an issue or he somehow basically would have been able to live a life with Satine and have children and he's looking at Leia and thinking my gosh like you know, I could have had an entirely different life and I could have had a wonderful kid like this who's, you know, smart and brave and stubborn and all of these you know, things that make kids just so remarkable. So yeah, I'm picking that line up as a line of regret about the path not taken from Obi-Wan. And the final thing I'll highlight for our episode today is the end game of the show, where these last three episodes are going. So we know for sure that Leia is going to get back to Brea and Bale, and that Brea and Bale will survive the series as well. Obi-Wan's going to survive the series too, but the big question is whether Vader slash Anakin is going to believe that Obi-Wan has survived. 
It seems that the best way to ensure the safety of Leia and Luke going forward would be for Obi-Wan's death to be, you know, almost assumed for all intents and purposes. Like, for example, if he falls into the waters of Nur and nobody is able to find his body, so there's no way to confirm whether he's alive or dead, but basically it seems like it would be impossible for him to have survived. That would take the edge off of Vader and make him not be continuing to scour the galaxy and also not have the Inquisitors be on his tail looking for him either. Of course, if they do want to do a season two of Obi-Wan, then that also creates a bit of a problem because then suddenly he pops up again. And if he pops up again, somebody's going to be paying attention to him unless he's like out in wild space or something like that. But again, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's just see what happens when Tala, and I'm betting <laughs> this is what's going to happen, so I'll be proven right or wrong very quickly whether Tala is going to be the one to help smuggle Obi-Wan onto Nur to be able to rescue Leia. So there you go. That is the mid-season review of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and/or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.